The latest ag media research proves that more producers in 105 counties of Nebraska and Kansas are getting their ag information from 880-KRVN and the Rural Radio Network than from all other stations combined. Thank you for keeping us number one. 880-KRVN. Good Monday afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Brad Coima joins us with Coima, Coima and Varlick Trading. We look at the happenings of the markets. No surprise that we're going to jump into the uh, livestock side of things. And cattle markets, I kind of liked your comment as we, before we started this. Better than expected week on the meat last week. Well, it's always nice to have something. Yeah, by the way, thanks for having me on, Susan. I enjoy it. Um, nice to have something positive to talk about uh you know we've talked a little bit about before how you know these broad strokes of what demand is like and and you had a little bit of trouble here from the standpoint of um we came through a may and a june that every everybody that's alive knows just how challenging the weather was but it is also challenging in terms of beef demand uh, that's that slot where typically we move the middle meats in other words the higher price the strips the ribeyes the the loins uh, that's usually our best time because you've got Mother's Day, you've got the Memorial Day, you've got the first nice weather of the spring, you've got Father's Day, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but if you think back at all those lost weekends to rain and bad weather, uh, we, we, we struggle a bit with uh, having a little bit of a hangover from that uh, in terms of the meat business. Um, and so, yes, uh, you know, is it a big game changer? Uh, what happened here last week? Probably not, but we did have a little better demand here, which is good. Uh, particularly in the middle meets. Um, now, if we could just figure out a way to get the backers to share a little bit of that profit, right, Susan? Oh, that'd be nice. It- yeah, it sure it sure would. Um, I, I I don't know, you know. I, I at the risk of beating a, people getting sick of me on my soapbox here, but you know, I've talked more than once on the radio about the uh, uh, the lack of negotiated cash trade in certain areas of the United States um, and what that does to the market. Uh, and it's been a problem for a while, uh, but lately it has really reared its ugly head here. I, I, the number of negotiated cattle that's going on in, in the South is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so they get 111 the last two weeks down there. Uh, the North gets 115, a little bit of 16 the week before. Um, and, and, you know, people, you know, people are, and I, I'm a cattle feeder too, so people go, well, geez, the Packers making all this money, right? I go, yeah. And, well, well, how come? Well, because they can't. Right? I mean, I don't want to be, you know, flip about it, but unless you can figure out a way to leverage that packer into having to negotiate or having to get out there and bid for cattle, obviously these people just turn in the cattle, why would they raise their bids, you know? So it's it's pretty straightforward. Um, that's what troubles me about the market moving forward here into the summer as well, Susan, is I think there's an uptick in the number of, uh, you know, committed cattle, too, as we look forward to the month of August. So, um so I think the markets may be okay for a second here yet. Uh, I, I guess I uh, I would say still I would remain very cautious. we got a lot of supply to work through here. It's moving into September and October. You talk about that negotiated cattle. I kind of want to get your thoughts because you kind of mentioned it to me before we started this about the happenings in the south and really how it's affecting us cattle producers in the north. As you look at those southern buyers, what are you seeing and how is it having an effect on this market? Well, whenever a packer has a large percentage of his buy, you know, what he's going to kill that's committed to him, and I mean a very large percentage, 
Um, you know, it, it just takes all that need for him to go out there and try to buy cattle from someone else. Um, you look at, I would say, well, where I sit in Iowa, we probably still negotiate for close to 60% of the total cattle. Um, Nebraska, it depends on what part of Nebraska you have. Like eastern Nebraska, I would say, is probably in the high 40s. Western Nebraska, not so much. You get into parts of, like, Texas, though, where they're they're negotiating for less than five. In some some weeks, it's less than three percent of the total cattle. Um, you're talking about an entire region that maybe negotiates for three to five thousand cattle, and they probably merchandise eighty to ninety thousand cattle in the same week. I mean, it is unbelievable how one-sided it is has become. So, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, uh, when I go to a lot of these different meetings. Um, uh, this dialogue they can depend on me to 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 carry that spear uh, i'm not as so popular with some of those people there but that's okay um it, it, it's a problem I, I i guess i'm just taking this opportunity to raise awareness i mean what do you do why well, you just you sell some cattle i mean that's what you do about it you know, you, you, you you carve out your own get away from the corporate uh, uh, a world and, 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 and be independent, which is what most of us in the North are. But so certainly when you take that much buying power out of the market, it, it, it just, you know, eliminates their need to compete with the rest of them to buy cattle. Are we seeing the expansion phase over for now in the cattle industry? That's a good question. I'm uh, still a numbers nerd. I'm still one of the fundamental guys. Uh, so last week, Friday, we had a cattle and feed report very neutral. We also had a cattle inventory report that we get every six months. It counts cows and calves and milk cows and heifer replacements and yeah, it's a, it's a long-winded report. Most people don't even care about it. I do because it, it gives you some, I think, long-reaching um, perspective. At least I, I would think. So, you know, I think I mentioned on the air here with you over the last year or so how we've had for the year last year we had an inordinate amount of heifers. In fact, for the year last year we actually killed less steers than than the year before. Less steers than the year before at a time when we had about 105 percent cattle and feet. Why? Because we were killing so many heifers. So it looked to us, some of us here, that, well, it looks like we stopped the expansion phase and we're starting to finally get down to a smaller female herd, um, which should portend for some blessed numbers eventually, not tomorrow, you know, but eventually way out there. So this report did finally confirm that. We've got a few less cows. We've got less of the, the heifers uh, that are being held for that cat, that, that slot. And, and so, yeah, it, it, does it change the market today or tomorrow? Not at all, but it does maybe start to make you think a little bit differently when you're starting to look into next year. So how does that change the way you market? I'm sorry, I asked that again? How does it change the way you market as you look look ahead to those numbers? <sighs> well, in the short term, you know, when you, when I say the expansion stopped, that, that that still means you got a lot of females that are on feed instead of out in the pasture somewhere. So it, that's part of the reason why I'm still worried even more so about this summer and fall that you got those, those extra animals that we got to get ready for slaughter. Uh, but it might temper my changing for what I might be willing to pay for a calf coming up. Well, folks, we're going to have more coming up. Take a look at the hogs and the grains. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. This Brad Coima joins us for part two. As we left off, we were talking cattle. Let's jump over to hogs. Is there some follow-through buying support, Brad, for these hogs? Well, we've tried a little bit here since the last time you and I have talked. Um, well, actually quite a bit. You know, October hogs have rallied from 67 and a half ish uh, to today where they hit 80. You know, so a 
uh, plus rally. Uh, so, yeah, that's trying, I would say. Um, what's the difference? Um, yeah, good question. Some of it is a little bit rhetoric. Uh, obviously, the markets are futures markets, so they're guessing what they anticipate. But there was a little bit of verbiage here uh, that, you know, China was going to buy some agricultural products, right? Yeah. And amongst all the negotiating that's gone on the last little while, and I think the market was quick to conclude that that would likely be something like pork and something like soybeans. Um, and as the, we are getting a bit tired of, of uh, all talk and no action here, uh, but I, I think that some of that dialogue has lifted spirits a little bit. We do have some firmness here in the pork product which is helpful because if the pork product goes up that would tell you that maybe actually somebody is buying some of these pork loins yada yada you know um so yes you know like we've every analyst has beat this to a dead horse i'm sure but it it amounts to it's pretty simple if we don't have china in a big way we've got too many hogs period if we don't have china exports in a big way we're gonna have all we can do what are you gonna do with 465,000 hogs every stinking day that we got to kill so it, it's it's pretty predicated on it. I'd be very very cautious if I was a, a hog marketer here. Don't don't hook your ladder to the idea that uh, China is going to take this thing back to a hundred dollars or something like that. We did see that happen though. When you look back at you know April and May, there was a lot of anticipation tied to this market. Oh, for sure. When we came out of March, where we had sat there, you know, take the October hog thing back for an example. You know, we were talking about the market sat there at sixty eight cents for four months give or take, obviously, a couple of dollars. And then finally, the beginning of March, when the, when the market finally bought into that, yeah, we went from $68 to, to uh, 91 in literally in two weeks. Um, and now the market had to go all the way back to its starting point again. Um, you know, people complain about the funds, and I suppose I've muttered a word or two about them too, but, you know, whenever you've got these big surges of money and algorithms and fund trading, you know, it seems like there's just no... There's no no sideways to the market anymore, and they don't always perform based on the last, latest fundamental that you heard. So I, I hopefully now we've got these funds turned around where you've got a chart that looks much better. So those trend-following type funds uh, probably are helping us out here the last few days. Jump over to the grain side of the trade. Long-term, are you friendly with this grain market? Well, I am. Uh, more corn, more so corn than soybeans. Um for the obvious reasons, we got a different set of fundamentals in terms of what the carryout is coming into this year. Um, but um, I am frustrated along with the producers, I'm sure. Um, e- even more so, maybe because uh, I'm a little more familiar with maybe how this data-driven, how the data gathering actually does go on. Just because I'm old, uh, the market is waiting to hear some more. Uh, I think solid cognitive news of where we're really at. Um, I have been surprised a little that the market has cared so much about the short-term weather. In fact, I mentioned in sarcasm today to a number of customers that I guess the weather was perfect over the weekend, where they were hoping it was going to rain, it rained, and where they hoped it would stay dry, it stayed dry. Where they wanted it hot, it was hot, or whatever. You know, I'm kidding, sort of, but you've got such a variable conditions across the Corn Belt this year where, frankly, there's areas that probably don't care if it doesn't rain for a long time uh and areas that have been missing stuff that really could use a rain stuff the stuff that went in late and poorly uh you know that that need all the help it can get so i i am surprised that the market doesn't look at this susan and say well this crop is so far from ideal the way it went in 
And to me, the bottom line to the deal is it isn't really so much about what the weather was like on July 21. It's what the weather was like in May and April and the first half of June. Um, that That is what's wrong with the corn crop, in my estimation, and potentially the beans, but the beans got a long way to go yet. Um, so obviously everybody knows there's a gap at 420 on December corn. Um, uh, the the, the uh, uh, August 12 reports the next time we get some data. Um, August 12 is going to be a different supply-demand report, Susan, than we've ever had before because it's going to include FSA data. When I and you and everybody and your listeners go to their FSA office and report acres, they're actually going to use that. Amazing, isn't it? I think it is. Uh, <laughs> usually they don't use that data until October. Um, so that's a step in the right direction. I'm told they're going to use satellite imaging. I'm told they're trying to fold into all these PP that prevent plant acres. So, you know, I don't know. You know, we, there's a chance that August 12 report that we're going to find out some, some, some real information. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Brad? Hey, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 800-358-3047. And thanks again, Susan, for having me on. No problem. Thank you. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.